everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, hanging out at Homie. Check them out homie.com find out how they can save you money whether you're buying or selling a house plus they're streamlining that process they've got the new homie loans they're also now a title company they're making it easy they're saving you money they're doing it better check it out homie.com today the pac-12 had its annual spring meetings uh, today gordon just wrapping up with all the movers and shakers there at the pac-12 and they've made some interesting announcements they've made some rule changes they've also re- released their financials and uh, maybe gordon the the headliner of all of this is uh, larry scott uh got a raise he made 5.3 million dollars last year so that's uh that's good and since his conference uh, lost about $12 million off of what it was doing the year before, then it was well-deserved. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You, you cost him money, and you take a bigger sh- a piece of the pie. That's, Makes total that's the sense. Amer- that's the American dream. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was the American way. <laughs> Big ups to Larry Scott for being savvy enough to shake down his bosses and still <laughs> still have a job. It makes me wonder what, what – I mean, who's making these decisions – Based on what? Well, it's it's the presidents of the universities, presidents and chancellors, and three particular presidents. The Pac-12 is one of the worst-run conferences in America, the major conferences. I think that's fair to say. Uh Uh-huh. So why, if their commissioner is already the highest paid of all the conferences, why would you give him a raise? He has pictures. No, I don't know. I, he, contractually, it's probably in his contract that he got a raise. You know, I'm uh, sure they don't do it just year by year, but it does kind of. Uh, when's his contract up? I think twenty one, twenty two, something like that. Oh, all right. So he's got more time to. Because they recently signed him to, I think, a four year extension to take him through the next round of negotiations. So it might actually be longer than that. But we'll Who see. Who thought if he that makes was it. a good idea? The presidents and chancellors. I know Ute fans will always be sort of have a soft spot for Larry Scott. And they should, by the way. Uh, he got he invited them into the conference and whatnot, but uh, he is a lousy commissioner. He is. All right, so let's go through some of the changes and some of the things that happened today. Uh, let's start with Larry talking about there's a new intra-conference transfer rule, and here's what Larry had to say. Let me start with the intra-conference transfer rule. Our CEO group voted to eliminate the loss of a season penalty for all student-athletes who transfer within the conference. This rule change removes one of the last remaining penalties associated with transferring between conference schools, and it's designed to provide student-athletes with a similar experience to any other student who decides to transfer. All right. First of all, uh, I like that. I like it. I absolutely do not. I know you don't, and you have your reasons not to like it, but I think you're being paranoid. Oh, I it, and I think you're being insecure. Okay, me paranoid? I don't. I've never ever been paranoid a day in my life. <laughs> when did you start getting so paranoid when they started planning against me? Exactly. Uh, no, I, I think this is a terrible idea. I, it, especially for a, a school like Utah. No, see, this is what people think when they're insecure. 
So you're gonna you're gonna shoot down my reasoning with a personal attack. I I see <laughs> no, exactly no, how this is so, going to. <laughs> I see exactly how this is going to work. It's nothing personal, you know that. You just called me insecure. <laughs> I didn't mean you, you. I meant you all. The problem I envision is is that. <laughs> is that schools that have the advantages are going to start plucking players from schools that don't. And Utah, what they do really well is they find guys that are flying under the radar for whatever reason, bring them in, coach them up, and turn them into the best player they could possibly be. And how would it be if by their junior and senior year, when they're just coming into their own and they're just starting to really become extraordinary players, Oregon says – why don't you come up and play for us? You, you know, and we've got some Nike money that we'll throw your way. Yeah, we've the, got a new uh, Impala for you waiting in the uh, in the parking lot. <laughs> okay, it could be a disadvantage if other people are cheating uh, and are willing to pay more than than what the Utes can pay them. However, if it is just about football, then I think the Utes have established themselves as a quality program that doesn't have to worry about that anymore. Because once you get into that environment and you're playing under Kyle Whittingham and you're, you have the academic help that is available up there and all systems are working in your favor and you are establishing yourself as, as, as a pro prospect, as a real NFL guy, there's no reason to transfer anywhere else. What's the advantage to transferring to USC for a year? Why would you do that? You've already established yourself as having real potential. You're going to get drafted because Utah puts as many people in the pros as USC does these days. And so what's, what, what's the motivation to go? Except for what if it's a quarterback, Gordon? Think about that. What if USC came in and said, hey, you could be the starting quarterback for USC? I don't think that's I, – I think that's a that's an antiquated way of thinking. I don't think so. I oh, think I do still because, absolutely because it, Well, well then why is it you, – If you've established yourself as that kind of quality quarterback at Utah, why mess it up by going somewhere else? Because you'd be the top dog in uh, – uh, Los Angeles and the second biggest uh, market. You'd be the, the I, I, for next. one year or a year or so. You know, I I just don't. If you're that successful where you are, especially at a quality program like Utah, I don't think you have much to worry about. There might be a flyer here and there, or somebody might do something like that. But I I, I think it's also possible that the Utes could benefit. Someone, some really, really quality athlete goes to SC and it's really crowded there and there's politics going on there. And the Utes can say, hey, fella, come on down here and you'll help us right away. We will take care of you because that's our track record. And they could benefit in that way. I think one of the byproducts from this will be and kind of speaking more broad terms, and maybe you see this as a positive or negative, but I think this just contributes to the, the culture that doesn't want to wait its turn so let's say utah recruits uh for example a defensive lineman but they've got to sit behind a lucky photo for a couple of years mm-hmm. but arizona state just law or usc or whoever you want to say, just lost their starting defensive tackle and they tell this player you'll start for us next year you can either wait your turn at utah or you can start for us now and and that's that can go for any school. I yeah, think we'll I, st- I think we'll see that a lot more. You, you and I might. do think that that's a problem that that players aren't willing to come in and develop and wait their turn. Well, I, I think that's a what, problem. What is waiting? Sports. What is waiting their turn? I mean, if it's going to benefit an athlete to go somewhere else, let them go somewhere else. 
You know, I mean, if it's going to help that individual athlete, I don't have a big problem with that. And I think Utah has enough quality athletes involved in their program now that they can get by, even if it's better for somebody else. Because obviously this particular player hasn't been good enough to make any kind of difference in their program. Yeah, but they need time to develop in those sorts of things. Like, I I think you see it as a problem in, in basketball more so than football at the moment. Where players will go somewhere and, you know, during the, you know, the recruiting process, Gordon, you know, it's all lovey-dovey and and come here and, and you're going to be a superstar on this and that. But you've got to go there and you've got to develop and, and you've got to figure out where you fit on the team and those sorts of things. And sometimes you've got to swallow some hurt feelings. Well, but now in today's day and age, nobody does. They, some, they come in and they're going, oh, wait, you mean I have to back up a guy for a year? Well, sometimes, yeah, I'm going somewhere else. Sometimes coaches lie. And you get yourself in a situation that wasn't presented to you, you should be able to have some flexibility to go do it somewhere else. Mm. I don't think that's a big problem. It might happen. Uh, I don't know how often it's going to happen. But I, I don't think it's going to be catastrophic to the University of Utah. I, I think that they have established themselves enough to be able to move forward with it, especially with football. You bring up basketball, but if you're a great player, if you're that kind of player, then you're going to have you're going to indicate that early on uh, in in the modern college game. I. I don't see it that often where a guy comes in and sits for three years and then is a star in his fourth year. Uh, You've already established yourself by then. And if you establish yourself where you are, why go elsewhere? What about Jake Toulson, who has turned himself into the player that he is now? Was he a graduate? Yeah, but he was originally at BYU, and then he transferred to UVU, and now he's transferred back. Yeah, but there and he were, really flourished at yeah, UVU. Yeah, but who knows? There are all kinds of personal things that go on in No, I get it, but I, I'm talking about a player that take, needs some time to develop. That's mm-hmm. the example. I mean, some players don't dominate by their first or second year. Yeah, that's true. But the, the reason he's going there is be, if Mark Pope wasn't the coach there, no, he wouldn't be going. It I, was, it, what I I'm agree. Saying, what I'm saying, it was an unusual circumstance. I agree. I'm more talking about a player that wasn't awesome the first the minute he stepped on campus. Right. He said, if you haven't played your way into it by your first or second year, it's probably not going to happen. I'm just saying there's a guy that it took a few years for oh, him okay. to develop into, right. a, into a really great player. Yeah, okay. And, and maybe in his case... You know, just to look at all sides, transferring obviously benefited him, mm-hmm. but he wasn't he wasn't uh, rocking BYU's world the first time he was there. You know what I mean? He needed a little time and coaching to get seasoned and turned into what has become a really great college basketball player. Coaches want to control everything, and so they probably don't like this. However, some of them might be able to benefit from it nonetheless. But I, I, I like having – people always say, oh, athletes, they don't want to wait anymore. They're spoiled. They just want to play right away, all this stuff. Well, okay, so what? I mean, it's their college experience. You know, why hold them? Why trap them? Why punish them if they want to go somewhere else? I've, I've always been against that, and I, and I think this is a positive move. All right, let's get on to the next rule change. It has to do with basketball, and it's some scheduling things that they're adjusting. Austin? Another significant announcement we made earlier today is regarding men's basketball scheduling standards. Um, On the heels of our decision a couple of weeks ago to move to a 20-game conference men's basketball schedule starting in the 2020-21 season, CO Group voted to introduce non-conference scheduling standards 
to enhance the Pac-12 men's basketball non-conference schedules. The approved non-conference scheduling standards include the following elements. Schools must have a non-conference five-year trailing average of opponents' net ranking of 175 or less. Our schools may not participate in any road by games. And no regular season games may be played against non-Division I opponents. And no road games versus a non-conference opponent with a five-year trailing average of a 200 net. These changes, both the move to the 20-game conference schedule and our scheduling standards today, represent an important step forward as part of our basketball strategic plan. We've been working closely with our coaches, our athletics directors, uh, basketball experts um, on designing uh, a strategic plan to enhance our basketball going forward. The number of teams and the performance in the NCAA tournament and the announcement today is an important milestone uh, on that journey. All right, Gordon. He, he mentioned some numbers and some things there. Here's here's the bottom line. They're they're forcing their universities to schedule better non-conference right. uh, opponents. That's that's really the long and short of it. Uh, and I applaud that actually, mm-hmm. and I I think that that's a good thing. However, I don't think that that exa- is the problem for the lack of success in Pac-12 basketball on an NCAA tournament level. So, I mean, I, I guess I like this, but I don't think this is fixing anything. They need, but they need better players. They need better programs, and they need their top end programs to be good. But if they can do that, then this might help them in conjunction with that. Correct. Compete better against uh, when when the when the big dance comes around. But, because I think yeah. the the, the Pac twelve is getting tired of uh, uh, a lack of success at that time of year. I I totally agree. But the the. Pac-12 basketball for the past, what do you want to say, two, three years, has been an absolute disaster. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's been a disaster is not because their non-conference wasn't good enough for them to get more teams in. It's been a disaster because they've made bad coaching hires, and these programs that have traditionally been really good have been awful, and they've been cheating, and so they've been getting caught, and as a result, they've been losing recruits. (laughs) Like Arizona, their recruiting class coming into this year was awful. Awful. They lost everybody because they all assumed Sean Miller was going to end up behind bars. <laughs> you know, UCLA has bungled their head coaching hire for what, uh, ever since Ben Howland now, it's been a huge disaster. Uh, Dana Altman has had his problems up in Oregon with, with not only some of this FBI stuff, but also they've, they've had a, a sexual assault problem with some of their players where they had to jettison uh, a bunch of really talented guys. I mean, the, those things have way more to do with their lack of success in the NCAA than but, but again, than this, is, this is something they can control. And True. The, the other stuff, uh, yeah, it it, uh, it would have been interesting to have Larry Scott get in front of the microphone and say, you know, we've come up with a program because we have a conference full of coaches that are cheating. You know, they can't. This is this is maybe this is straightening deck chairs on the Titanic. I don't know, but it's at least something they can do to improve their chances. If they get the other issues taken care of, this will do nothing but benefit them. You know, they had two assistant coaches on two of their major programs, USC and Arizona, arrested <laughs> over the past two years. No mention, arrested. Of, no mention of that today? Arrested and pled guilty. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of a problem, I'd say. All right, let's go to the next cut from Larry Scott. Uh, the financials were released. Here's him talking about it. We also uh, just released, uh, some of you may be getting it while you're on the call, uh, financial results. 
uh, for the 2017-18 year as part of our required 990 filing. For those of you that see it, you'll see it follows uh, the normal required reporting uh, and, and a summary in there. But you'll also notice uh, some new aspects uh, to what we've reported. This year, we put a premium on inc increased clarity and transparency in our reporting. Notably, we've wanted to break out uh, the financial results for the Pac-12 conference and the Pac-12 networks. So it was more clear and easy for people to compare conference to conference uh, and understand the separate uh, financial performance of the Pac-12 networks. There's also more detail in terms of how we actually distribute revenue to our schools um, and where there are differences between the required 990 filing and what we actually distribute. Um, and a focus on uh, some of our expenses um, and again, breaking out uh, by conference and separating it from networks will be more easy for people to compare uh, expense between conferences. Um, at a high level, uh, we have continued uh, positive overall growth trajectory in terms of revenues and distributions over the past years. And this, it should be said, is without factoring in the significant equity value that our members have uh, by being owners of the Pac-12 networks. This is not uh, reflected in the financials, but something we're very excited about, especially as we're out there contemplating and understanding uh, the value of our media rights. Uh, you mentioned tap dancing earlier. Yeah, well, that was off the air, but yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was that off the air? I'm sorry. That's all right, but that uh, I I was telling you, uh, <laughs> I was telling you, it reminds me of the scene in Chicago where Richard Gere, who's the the attorney uh, for uh, it, guilty clients, was tap dancing in court, and it was a, an actual tap dance. Uh, but the the bottom line is, they're still not being. I know he's talking about how transparent they're being. They're still not being all that transparent. But bottom line is, they generated four hundred ninety-seven million dollars of revenue that is twelve million dollars down from, from the, the year, year before. before. Mm -hmm. They're distributing $29.5 million per university. They're only distributing $354 million to the 12 schools, which means the, the, the difference, which is well over $100 million of $497 million to $354 million, that is going into operations, so to speak. And that's, that's really the problem. The percentage of money distributed for the Pac-12 is way lower than the other P5 well, conferences. Well, isn't the Big Ten, $55 million? And yeah. it's 29 in the Pac-12? Yep. That, that's that got to get people's attention, you would think. I mean, like I said before, the mid-major conference is probably at $29 million. Wow, that's really nice. But not compared to what the other big boys are getting. And and as this goes on, year by year by year, the Pac-12 falls farther and farther behind in the financials. Nobody around here likes that. And as a result, UCLA can't pay the buyout for the basketball coach they actually want. You know, you think, how does this really matter? $30 million should be plenty for these guys. And the, the truth is, yeah, it is plenty. But what is it compared to your competitors? Right. And basketball in particular, and we've seen this in football too, you've got to hire the right guys. You've got to hire the best. If you want to compete at the highest level, you have to, hi you have to hire the best coaches that run the best programs. And if you can't afford to do that because you can't afford to pay what the other guy does, well, then that's a problem. 
And this is where the indiscretions at the college level get a little hairy because I don't know how many people are cheating, but it's hard to keep up with the cheaters. But the Pac-12 has had its own share of that. So I don't know. But if you are comparing it straight across and uh, it's sort of turning your back on all that, then that's that's an issue. And it's a problem to the ADs. It's a problem to the presidents. When they look at that, and because they do compare, and Larry essentially admitted that as he was doing the breakout on that, they do compare with what the guys... If Illinois is getting $55 million or whatever it is, and USC is getting $29 million, you can't imagine if that's sitting well. No. And it limits what they can do. And then there's also uh, schools like Cal, and maybe this doesn't inspire a lot of sympathy, but that kind of did some stuff counting on a windfall from the conference. And they're in horrible financial condition if you look into their athletic department. But, see, but then Larry makes these excuses. He talks about these vague equity numbers in the network and stuff. But, I mean, <laughs> that, that's tap dancing. Well, his idea is for some billionaire to come along and buy part of his network. That's his grand plan. Well, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this. Is if they're going to let Larry renegotiate or negotiate this next round of, of media rights, then he better hit pay dirt. I mean, because that's basically how he's tap dancing around this. He's saying, this is coming, this is coming, this is coming. Hang on. We'll sell this equity eventually, and you're going to have a windfall like you've never seen. Well, he, he better deliver. I'm telling you right now, the Big Ten and the uh, and the SEC are laughing at the Pac-12 right now. Yep, I would agree. They're laughing at you, Larry Scott. Well, he's making five point three million dollars, so he doesn't really care. <laughs> he got a raise. Yeah, he doesn't care. He's like, whatever. <laughs> How much of a raise did he get? Oh, I'd have to see what he was making last year, but he did. Uh, he did get a bit of a bump. Still, the highest paid commissioner by quite a ways. Yeah. Well, they got that. They got that equity in that network. Yeah, so it's all good. <laughs> so you're all good. Don't worry about. Uh, don't worry about little old Larry. He's killing it. Yeah, that's. Uh, uh, I I don't know. I don't know that this, how much this is affecting Utah right now because Utah is still in that phase where I think they're happy to be included in it. But at some point, it. I mean, if it goes on this way, then you essentially have a power three, <laughs> and then you've got whatever the Pac-12 is hanging on the, yeah. on the edge. And the ACC uh, is in a similar boat to the Pac-12, but they just launched their network uh, with in partnership with ESPN, and that money is going to start headed their way, and they're going to start to move past the, yeah. the Pac-12 unless the Pac-12 network can figure out a way to, to start making some money. The, the, the problem is, is that when you partner, when you go it alone, you don't have the, the leverage – that you would if you go with, say, a Fox or an ESPN, because they're already dealing with cable companies and, and satellite companies and those sorts of things. So they can leverage their other programming with the ACC network or the SEC network. And as opposed to the Pac-12, who says, just buy this, they don't have any leverage, yeah. you know. So if, if they're asking too much for, uh, you know, to DirecTV, for example, DirecTV can say no and lose practically nothing. But if you have ESPN behind you, well, then ESPN has all sorts of leverage because it's one of their most popular packages. Yep. You know, when I hear Larry Scott talk, it's almost like he's paying no attention to the man behind the curtain. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's, uh, what, that's, he's, that's exactly what he's saying. What he yeah. And I wish I could read the letter I got from a certain uh, Pac-12 president. 
I, I, I won't betray the confidentiality of it, but I wish I could read it on air. I think it would be very eye-opening for our listeners. Uh, there is dissension in the conference. Now, there are also is support for Larry Scott, but there are folks out there who are very upset with the whole direction this thing is going. And based on what he said today, it's going in the wrong direction. All right, we'll have more Big Show coming up right around the corner. We've got uh, NBA playoffs coming up tonight. We'll talk about uh, Golden State and Portland. We're live at Homie. Check them out, homie.com. Find out what they can do for you. More straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Watson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're hanging out with our good friends at Homie. Check them out, homie.com today. We want to remind you, listen this Wednesday on a Win Ticket Wednesday for your chance to win tickets to Shinedown. Attention. Uh, Shinedown will be out on the road this summer in support of their latest album, Attention, Attention. Come out and rock with them. And special guests, Bad Flower, Dinosaur Pileup, and Broken Hands, July 18th at USANA Amphitheater. Tickets are on sale now. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com. You know, when Daenerys uh, Targaryen read initially read the script in Game of Thrones... Uh, are you going to spoil this for people? No, I'm not going to get specific about it. But she, uh, apparently, the uh, Breaker of Chains, the Mother of Dragons, was uh, taken aback by how the show was going to come to an end. We all saw it last night. Those of you who are watching that show, this is what she said. She told the New Yorker, I read these scripts coming on to two years ago now. When I did, I took a very long walk around London in a daze, not quite knowing how to digest the news. I had no idea what to expect for this last season. I hoped for some juicy things to get into, as I always do for every season, but I didn't see this. Hmm. Well, she should have. <laughs> and I find it interesting that if, if that story were to have come out two months ago, there's no way you would have brought it up. That's true. I started watching it late. Well, no, I, just, I, I, I love it how much you've, you've uh, dived into it. Well, it's, it's partly it's like, your fault. You've been telling me to do it for all these years. So I finally did it. And yeah, I got, I got into it. And I know it's, it's consumed your being for the past few weeks. Man, I wouldn't say take it quite that far. You and I have a, we had a debriefing pretty much every day on the episodes that, uh, that you watched. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm into it too. But yeah. uh, I think, but I think we, we need to find uh, your next binge-worthy show. No, 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 no. We found it. <laughs> I begged Gordon long before you begged him to watch something very simple, very funny, very lighthearted that everyone except Gordon in this country has seen ad nauseum, and he refuses. The Office. I have seen oh, one. The Office? I, I have seen one episode. There's no dragons. Uh, I, I've seen all The Office. I think that's definitely, it's binge-worthy. So which is better, The it. Office or Game of Thrones? Oh, Game of Thrones by a long way. Oh, oh yeah. come on. All right. Open mic. Do it. <laughs> all right. You can go to our, our Zone app. You hit the open mic feature. Record up to 15 seconds of audio and send it in. I, I love The Office. It was great. 
just wasn't as good as Game of Thrones. Much different. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a sitcom. I don't know. I can't comment one way or the other. All I know is that Game of Thrones was high quality. So uh, I, I'll, have to, I'll have to see when I watch The Office because if, if Austin is telling me to do it, then you know I will. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I don't see how that's actually true. Uh, but if I were to give you a recommendation for your next show to binge watch, I think you should watch The Wire, another HBO show. Really? That was really, really good. Was it one of the guys that was in the Game of Thrones? Wasn't he on The Wire? Yeah, too? Littlefinger. Littlefinger. That uh-huh. guy was downright creepy in Game of Thrones. He was. He played a little. He played a politician in The Wire. And he may or may not have gotten his. Uh, did he talk the same way? Out of the side of his mouth like that, you know, uh, that kind of semi-whisper? No, uh-uh. He, he didn't. He's a good actor, uh-huh. that, that guy. But that would be my next, uh, my recommendation for you. Mm. Or maybe, uh, I don't know, Austin, what else is uh, what else is out there? The Office. <laughs> How about Breaking Bad? I never saw that. Oh, I'd, I loved Breaking Bad. Is it good? I like mm-hmm. The Wire better, but I liked, uh-huh. uh, but Breaking Bad, yeah, that's that's really good. Austin didn't like that one either, didn't you, Austin? Uh, I just think it's one? overrated. Everyone's, there was a lot of people who say it's the best ever, and I was like, eh, it's all right. Well, you, I don't think it's the best you, ever. You like Yellowstone, right, Austin? Yellowstone is gripping, and if you can handle what's in Game of Thrones, you can handle what's in Yellowstone. Yellowstone's excellent. Is it? Yeah, Yellowstone's okay. really, really good. Well, everyone's asking this question now. What, uh, those who have been a part of that process watching Game of Thrones, now they're looking for the, the next show that they want to really get into. And I don't know. It's uh, I, I'm not a I'm not a regular TV watcher from a standpoint of series and whatnot. But I, I got to admit, this was this was uh, high quality and high drama. I kind of liked it. Who was your favorite character in Game of Thrones? Ah, oh, that's that's hard to it's, ask. It is hard. It's difficult. Yeah, everybody says Tyrion or Jon Snow. I'd probably go with Tyrion. I like the Arya. Uh, she was cool. All right. But uh, but I liked a bunch of them. I even liked Jamie. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, well. Everybody likes Jamie. Yeah, I guess. He's the one with uh, the most severe uh, uh, character arc. Yeah. And, well, I don't want to ruin anything for anybody. I kind of liked what was the what was the dragon's name Dragon. Uh huh. I kind of liked him. Uh, we had we do have an open mic. If you have a suggestion for the next show, Gordon should binge watch. Uh, let us know on the open mic. Uh, go ahead, Austin. The Office is good. Game of Thrones is better. But what you really need to watch for your next show is Dexter. That show is amazing. That or Sons of Anarchy. Now, weren't people disappointed with the ending to Dexter? Yeah, I thought uh, Dexter started off really good for the first few seasons, and then it tailed off a little bit for me. He's essentially a guy who kills the bad guys, right? Right. He's a serial killer who feeds his need to kill by investigating and then killing the bad guys. All right. There's a suggestion. Uh, And uh, Sons of Anarchy, I watched watched the first couple of seasons, and I don't know why I fell off with it, because it was pretty good. Really? Okay. All right. I think that was just one of those shows I started to binge watch when my wife was out of town, and then it just kind of fell to the side because it wasn't something that we started watching together. Mm. Okay. Because we usually pick we usually pick our shows together and try to watch them. together. Yeah, spend time together. That's a good thing, you know. Uh, let's see. Um, let us know what a uh, shameless is a really good one. That's a little crass, though, Gordon. I is don't it? know. Uh, let's get that uh, one actor in it that I really like. What's her name? What's her name? Yeah, the the William H Macy is the Emmy Rossum. Uh, Emmy Rossum, yeah, she's she's a good actor. Oh, she's 
She's terrific in that. So uh, I don't know if you have any other suggestions uh, for Gordon, let us know uh, via the open mic feature. We want to remind you about our friends at Action Plumbing. Spring into action before the summer rush. Get a complete AC diagnostic check uh, checkup before the rush for just 39 bucks. Scheduled today by calling 801-833-3333 at Action Plumbing. One thing I was unaware of, do you know that the guy who, uh, Kit Harrington, who played Jon Snow, married Ygritte? I did know that. Uh, did you? I was a man. The last one to know these things. But yeah, they actually are married in real life. Got to follow the tabloids there, Gordon. <laughs> yeah. And Sansa just married a Jonas brother. There you go. Really? Yeah. I didn't really Sansa? like Sansa. I didn't like Sansa that much. Oh, Sansa. Why not? I don't know. You have a problem with strong woman? <laughs> no, I think my problem was it took her so long getting there. Yeah. Well, some of us get there faster than others. Uh, stay tuned. We're live at home. We'll have more next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. That's never happened before. Three, two, one. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. And the Raptors are going to win. As the old adage goes, it's not a series until the home team loses a game. And it hasn't happened yet, folks. So it's not a series. <laughs> Milwaukee had won and gone up 3-0. Hey, 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 hey. Look what we got here. We got a series. That is the worst phrase. It's not a series until the home team loses. So two games to one, folks. 3-0, though? Yeah. So thanks for tuning in for nothing. So it's all over almost here. It's all started almost here. That's right. Two games to one. This sucks. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. Your home for Utah's best sports radio is right here on the Zone Sports Network. You're locked on to the big show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Creed. Call Andy and Kelly for your business paper needs. Dunder Mifflin, the people person's paper people. You ain't getting that on the Game of Thrones. <laughs> well done, listener, on the open mic feature. That was tremendous. Welcome on back. It's Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott live, hanging out with our friends today at Homie. Austin has started a poll, which is better, Game of Thrones or The Office. And uh, right now, The Office is winning with 31 votes, 77% uh, to 23%. You think that'll last? I don't know. There's some very different ones. A, one's a, you know, a epic uh, drama and one's a, a comedy. So, no. you know, it's it's comparing apples and oranges a little bit, but uh, but there you go. Uh, we have some more suggestions for some for you to to binge watch. Gordon. Okay, you want to uh, get to some yeah, of these? Sure. Uh, here's Lane's suggestion. Oh, let's go with Ben first, actually. Ben, if you're into documentaries, a good docu series is called "I Am a Killer" on Netflix. You can only guess what it's about. Guessing a killer sounds dark. Is that the is that the Ted Bundy one? No, Austin? no, no. That's uh, extremely wicked and evil or something like that. That's no. Yeah. This is a, a docu series, is what he's talking about. Uh, it says uh, profiling profiling prisoners convicted of capital murder and sentenced to death. Ooh, how about that? That sounds like a real uplifter. All right, let's let's go to uh, Lane now on the open mic. Here's my argument: How much has the Game of Thrones affected the culture of America? Everyone can relate to The Office. Game of Thrones, dragons, please. That's what she said. 
<laughs> All right, I get it. I, I think Game of Thrones has had a big impact on, on pop culture. Well, so I don't know. Everybody and their dog is talking about it today. You yeah, but log on it, I, yeah, media. but I think what he's saying you, is you that, talked earlier about how people name their kids Daenerys. I, mean, I know that, uh, but but he was saying that you know everyone, a lot of people work in an office can and, identify. And, yeah. That that is the magic of the office. I can't believe I'm. I, I don't want to trash the. I like the office. Yeah. Uh, I think that's part of the magic of the office. It's very I, identifiable. Uh, okay. uh, you know, you you point at the characters and you go, oh yeah, there's somebody like that in the office. <laughs> yeah, like you, who, who, you don't uh, watch Game of Thrones and think the same thing. No, but uh, there's who, somebody like that in my office. Oh yeah, that guy. Arrest him. Who? Yeah, uh, like like who would Lloyd little be? Little finger. Lloyd is little finger. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd would be Circe and in the office Lloyd is Creed uh, no but, but like with the office who hasn't had a boss that tries too hard to be the friend of his employees yeah who hasn't had a boss like that where it's like you're, you're not my friend you're my boss you yeah know? but it would be better to have that than to have a boss who is like a dictator uh, in some ways, I don't know. In others, maybe not so much. You, you need to, uh, you should, yeah, you should I, watch uh, stuff. Uh, 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 oh, no, now quick. you will. Now you will. The Jake says to watch it. Yeah. No, 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 no. I was listening to you. Awesome. Real quick, uh, we see a sweep tonight. Uh, yeah. And he, uh, normally, you know, I was the one that was saying it would be a gentleman's sweep. You know, I thought, I thought Portland would get one. But da- Damian Lillard. He's banged up, man. Those ribs are hurting him. And if he can't be – I mean, he's playing it tough, and he's saying, hey, look, it's, I'm, I can go. It's fine, you know. But if he's not at full gear, unless the, the Warriors let up tonight, unless they think, okay, we'll just win this at home, uh, th- then I think they get it. What about you? I think he, even if Damian were healthy, they'd be in real trouble. Hmm. I, I think it all ends tonight. I, I've been talking about it for a while. They don't have any sort of, of defensive answer for Golden State. I know people are getting focused on, on C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard and uh, are they producing enough or not. Uh, never the issue. Can Portland stop Golden State even without Kevin Durant? The answer is no. In fact, they're less likely to stop Golden State without Kevin Durant because of the way that they play. And this is a bit of brilliant analysis, but in watching the Warriors, uh, I, I would expect them to beat whoever comes out of the East. I mean, when you look at those teams and look at the way they play and see that they shoot 35, 36, 37% against each other, man, the Warriors going to eat that alive. All right, a couple things to remind you of. The Ute Conference uh, introducing their new fall flag football league. Boys and girls ages 5 to 7 learn to play, love the game, have a great experience. Come play flag football. Sign up today at UteConferenceFootball.org. Also, join Hanson Scotty on Thursday down at the warehouse from noon to 3, 1967 South, 300 West. Prices so low, it will blow your mind. That is the warehouse. We are live today at a homie. Check them out at homie.com. Find out what they can do for you. We'll have more big show coming up next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. We've got everything going on. 
Wrapping up a big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, we want to say a big hearty thanks to Homie for hosting the show today. They can save our listeners money, Gordon, and they're doing it differently. They took an antiquated way of doing things, buying and selling a house, and said, we can do this better, and we can save uh, our customers money by basically implementing an assembly line. It's that simple. Yeah, and they are generating all kinds of attention from uh, home buyers and sellers uh, because people are recognizing it for what it is. They're already, Gordon, the number one real estate listing brokerage in the state of Utah. Yeah. So, I mean, they're they're killing it for their customers, and they can do the same for you. Uh, just log on to homey.com today. We've had a lot of fun today, Gordon. We have. I always feel at homey here. Uh, we we talked about a lot of things that are important to our listeners. Uh, we you know the Pac-12 situation and what's going on there. Uh, Utah football and basketball fans are keenly aware of what's going on, and uh, and it's important to them. I do like some of the moves that the Pac-12 is making. I think the lack of penalty in the tra- intra-conference transfer is a, is a positive move. So there are some. Uh, there is some good news to report, at least the way I view it. Now you view it the other way. I do. But uh, we also talked about the NBA playoffs and what's going on there. Right now, it looks like it's going to be Warriors Bucks, doesn't it? It does. I yeah, how's that I feel? Mean, I, I don't know what. Somehow, Toronto hung on for that victory to make it two one in that series. But the whole time I was watching it, I was thinking, man, the Raptors are the shaky ones here. And you thought before this series started that it would be the other way around, and a lot of people did. But the Bucks are showing us a little something. We'll see what happens. Once, once, uh, if the Bucks get the the three wins, then it's going to be awfully hard for Toronto to come back. Well, let's hope the the Raptors even it out and give us at least one decent conference yeah. final. And the Warriors are already there, so. All right, we want to say a big thanks to Ryan Miller from KSL.com who joined us today. Thanks to Austin Horton, the executive producer of The Big Show, doing a fine job back at our Vivint Smart Home Arena studios. Thanks to our friends at Homey for hosting us. Thank you, Gordon. Thank you, Jake. And thanks to all our listeners because uh, this wouldn't be nearly as much fun without them. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.